Hi, and welcome to The Bottom End, a podcast series for people living with Crohn's or colitis. My name's Luke Eskom, and I'll be chatting with my fellow ambassador for Crohn's and Colitis Australia, Brittany Nickel, as well as Justin Singh, about our lives with IBD. And hopefully we'll be having a bit of fun along the way. We'll be getting down and dirty answering those tricky questions that you might be afraid to ask in person. And in every episode, I'll get some medical insights from gastroenterologist Dr. Ed Giles. Today, we're going to talk about diagnosis, how it went for us, and our top tips for getting through those appointments and tests. So thanks to AbV and Crohn's and Colitis Australia for helping us get this series out there. We hope you'll find it useful. Hello, you're listening to The Bottom End with uh, Luke Eskom. We're going to get uh, low down and dirty today talking about IBD. We have uh, Brittany and Justin here. And um, what we're going to be talking about today is diagnosis. Hi, guys. First of all, hello. Welcome to The Bottom End. I think before we, we talk about anything to do with the illness, we should talk a little bit about ourselves so that we, we understand kind of... Uh, who's here at the table. Um, Justin, tell me a little bit about yourself and, and kind of what life was like before there was uh, a Crohn's diagnosis or IBD diagnosis to worry about. Okay, yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, 30 at the moment um, and I was diagnosed when I was two years old. So I was a little baby and I was having trouble going to the toilet and I don't really remember much of it, but um, I formally got diagnosed with it when I was eight years old and that all started when I had trouble going to the toilet and I just did not want to go and sit and do a poo and um, I would just hold it in I would hold it in and then I would like poo my underwear and then uh, I guess it must have caused some ruptures or or whatnot and then uh, I went to the doctors and I remember um, I was having these like jabbing pains in my stomach and then uh, I'm sitting there and the doctor's got his finger at my butt and I'm like, this is the most uncomfortable thing in the world. I just want to be outside playing with my friends. And um, I just remember sitting with my dad uh, and I was, and the doctor said, you have Crohn's disease and you're going to be, you're going to have to have medication for the rest of your life and there's no cure for it. And I had no idea. I was like, this is so foreign to me. I just want to go play on my Game Boy, hang out with my friends, and I was like, I didn't know how to take it. Um, and that was eight years old? So yeah, I was eight, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's just, it's, I think from having it so, when I was really young, at such a young age, it, sh- it reshaped my life. So I didn't know what the concept of normal was. I thought, okay, it's normal that you go to the toilet once every hour, that you can't sleep and you wake up every hour to go to the toilet. I thought it was normal to eat like meals the size of half my hand. So from there, like uh, school life was very difficult. And um, yeah, I was like bullied a lot because I was like really scrawny. And this is back in the nineties where people weren't very compassionate as well. I think these days people are a lot more compassionate. Um, yeah, and then so that, that actually reshaped my life. So I wasn't geared towards uh, school and getting good grades and and being the smartest student. I was actually geared towards getting through a day, having the most fun, enjoying my time. Thanks so much, Justice. This is something we notice, um, Brittany, whenever we, we meet other people with IBD, we get really good at telling our story, don't we? There were so many 
things you covered there that I think are really interesting for us to talk about. The concept of normal is something I remember we've talked about before, Brittany, this idea of you have this idea of what a normal life should look like and you understand that yours isn't there and you want to be normal just because it feels like if you're not normal, you're abnormal. So let's, let's talk about your life and your diagnosis and uh, your story. So, um, yeah, my name's Brittany Nicole. I'm 29, and I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at the age of seven. And my diagnosis came, obviously, at a young age, but I did get misdiagnosed twice before that. So uh, I had two specialists misdiagnose me as Giardia, which is a waterborne bacteria disease kind of thing. My parents kept pursuing and kept persisting that there was something more to it. Um, not long after I was born, I actually had a big bout of gastroenteritis. So I'm not sure whether it was something that stemmed from that and then it gradually progressed. Um, but yeah, I was formally diagnosed with Crohn's disease when I was seven. And obviously being so young, you don't really understand. And uh, from a young age, I didn't quite get what was going on. I just knew that I was sick. I was different to the other kids. And I tried to just continue living life as I knew it and as best I could. And I was an active child. I played soccer, cricket, rode motorbikes, did all that kind of thing. But it definitely impacted on my life and my lifestyle. And now that when I think back, I used to always, it's, it's a weird one, but I used to always wear my shorts and my clothing like underneath my hips, like low on my stomach. And I think that was probably more so because I did have a bit of discomfort and I didn't like things sitting on where I was getting that pain. Um, I went through heavy medications from a young age. I've been on multiple treatments through my entire schooling and, you know, that comes with side effects. And, um, yeah, I've, I've been through the bullying aspect and that kind of thing and the looks and appearance and all that. Um, it, it impacts on somebody and it's not only from... It's not only from students and peers that you can cop bullying from but it's actually teachers as well and I did go through that towards the end of my primary school days and then leading into high school the transition was difficult because I was going through a lot of side effects with medications on that transition from year six to year seven so I was going from primary school to high school and it was hard. Thanks so much Brittany. It's really important to start with telling our story isn't it? It just sort of allows us to put the whole the whole shape of our life with with Crohn's out there, so so we you know we really understand each other very well. I mean, I think you've heard me tell my story. I don't know if you know sort of my story. I mean, I was diagnosed a bit later. I was diagnosed at fourteen um, and went through the same uh, thing of kind of uh, being bullied a little bit at school or feeling a very low self esteem. Probably just realised I was depressed for about fifteen years. Never really acknowledged that before. It was sort of something I is finding it helpful to say is that yeah okay I was depressed until I was about 30 and then started turning my life around but let's let's talk about diagnosis the, the moment of diagnosis when the illness was explained can you talk about that Justin do you feel like you were being spoken to and listened to and you understood what was happening or was it more that they spoke to your parents and then they tried to explain it yeah, he spoke to my uh, my parents. I spoke to my dad actually, sitting next to me, and um, I had no idea what he was talking about. I remember he pulled out this big book, and it had obviously a, like a list of s symptoms and medications, and he just like scrolled through it, 
picture uh, picture of a colon. Let's see. We always see that. Here is your colon. Yeah. And this model and. Yeah, I was like, what is going on? But uh, yeah, it was not explained uh, well. But like, I was eight. Like, how am I supposed to know? Um, but. You know, eight-year-olds are intelligent. Six-year-olds are intelligent. I know I, I've got one. You know, it's, <laughs> it's really, it's, it's learning how to speak to an eight-year-old. And there are people that are very well trained in this and know exactly how to speak to an eight-year-old. Yeah. So what, was, was it just the doctor or was there anyone else part of that team um, who tried to talk to you? Yeah, it was just a doctor and a lot of the dialogue was with my dad. And so um, I relied on my dad quite a lot to manage all of that so he would take me to all my uh, appointments he would and eventually when I got really sick and I had to go Westmead Children's Hospital we went and saw the specialist there and still like the dialogue was with uh, the doctor and my dad right and with uh, you in the room they're with talking me in the about room. you yeah. like in the third person yeah absolutely and uh, I and all I would do is just like just sit there, kind of get bored. I'm like, what do I do? I want to just go home. But Brittany, I, I want to ask about your the moment of your diagnosis that you have Crohn's disease. What what actually went down? What happened? For me, the initial diagnosis. I remember sitting in a room uh, up north, and it yeah, it felt like it was a clinical clinical room. I was sitting there. I was a six, seven year old. Didn't really understand what was going on. Uh, the specialist that diagnosed me pretty much picked it up straight off a colonoscopy. He kind of had an indication before I went in for the colonoscopy and endoscopy, but then once I came out, he was adamant that that was what it was. It and was Crohn's disease. He was a gastro? He was a gastroenterologist, yeah. And uh, he was he was actually a very old-school gastroenterologist, which I think for me it was probably a good thing because he did have such extensive history and he had been around for a long time, and that's no discredit to obviously younger doctors and younger specialists, but... He had had a lot of experience and um, it was different because I was trying to relate to somebody that was much older than me trying to tell me what was going on. And but he was me, speaking to you? For me, it was mainly my parents. So it was a similar um, experience. It, I was in the room, but it was mainly the dialogue with mum and dad, uh, particularly mum. Mum drove a lot of the conversation, asked a lot of the questions. Um, if I'm very lucky that I had those two because... I wouldn't have had any idea and uh, for me it was something that I've gradually over time as I got older I understood more and I actually took the interest and curiosity to learn more about it too. So all of us have been in that diagnosis situation and we know what a tough place it can be taking in all that information and hearing that you have this incurable disease but you know it's not the end of the world there are treatments that can help and eventually things will start to get better. So what would you say, Justin, to someone who's been newly diagnosed? What I would say is, and there's no point at looking at uh, the doom and gloom side of it, but all there is to do is look at the upsides, right? And look at what you can do. Stay positive, do all the things that you love, have the lovely people in your life, really build that shell of confidence and saying, this is who I am. And I love everything about me. I love my Crohn's. I love my condition. I love my bag. I love me the way I am and the way I'm not. Because ultimately it's perspective. The perspective that will uh, get you through times. Because yes, I could go, this is so bad. Like, um, 
I've got no energy, I've got to go to the toilet, I've got to take all this medication. However, there's someone out there has it worse than you. There's someone either in who can't walk, has no legs, there's someone who can't see, there's someone who's in a permanent wheelchair with a permanent carer who can barely talk or, or, or move. So having that perspective is very important. Yeah, yeah I, I think that that's, that's a great answer. I think that uh, it's something we all realise is that acceptance of yourself as you are is is the, the key to kind of beginning that more positive perspective on your life. Yeah. You know, rather than focusing on what you don't have, which is a sort of endlessly negative way to live, to accept and say, well, but this is what I do have. I just wanted to um, ask you more specifically about th- this process of diagnosis where we're going to see lots of different doctors and having lots of tests. Is there any sort of practical advice or tips for young people particularly who are... Uh, or parents of young people who are having to go through these tests and doctor visits in terms of ways to prepare, things to ask, uh, any any little hacks you have? Yeah, so um, what, I, what I would suggest is uh, tracking everything yourself as well. Don't just go, okay, I'll leave it up to the doctors, but actually ask... What, is, uh, what does this test mean? What is it testing for? What are you looking for? And really understanding it yourself so that you can have an idea of why you're doing it instead of just uh, going with the flow and just really being your own like unofficial second doctor. That's what I would really suggest. And Brittany, what do you think about that? Do you have a, a way of sort of dealing with uh, doctor visits and, and tests that you've evolved over time that you could share with us? Of course. Like, obviously, yeah, being diagnosed at a young age, it was always my parents that kind of relayed the information. But now that I've got older, it's very much... Um, it's like anything in life. If you don't understand something, ask the question. If you don't ask the question, you're not going to know and you're not going to get the outcome that you could potentially have. Um, so for me, my best piece of advice for the doctor's visits and, and that kind of thing would be to ask questions and, like Justin said, just you know try and gain that understanding as why procedures are being done um, just so you can get your head around it and understand what's actually going on and, and how your, I guess, the monitoring of your disease is happening. It's not just doing something for the sake of it in the hope it gets better. It's actually understanding it. And how comfortable did you feel as a young person, particularly asking those questions? I mean, it depends how you're raised, but you can feel it's rude to ask questions sometimes or to say, can you explain that again? Uh, How did you feel going through that process? It is difficult and it is daunting because they're the one that studied it. It's just, this is, I'm the one with the disease. But at the the end of the day, you kind of use that and it's, you know, it's your body. It, it, it's you with the disease and it's going to affect you. It's the doctors giving you the advice, but you're dealing with the impact of, of what they're suggesting. Um, so, yeah, it, it can be daunting. But for me, I have been lucky most of the time with my specialists and doctors that they've got very nice and good bedside manners. And I think it comes down to the specialist that you have too. As much as everybody's great in their profession and what they do, but there's very there's a difference between doctors that actually understand and are, and are considerate to the situation as to someone just telling that you need to do something for the sake of it. It makes a big difference. It actually makes a really big difference having a kind and compassionate doctor with that uh, bedside manner. I'm, I'm wondering, sort of back at the time of diagnosis, what, what kind of questions did you ask? Is it curable? Yeah, for me, I, did, I probably didn't ask questions until I was 11 or 12. And obviously, yeah, I was diagnosed when I was seven, so I was very much just relying on my parents and listening to the conversation but not really understanding it so I guess for me the questions were more so about um you know 
when can I start doing things again and, and how's this treatment going to affect me and, and what what side effects are there? For me, that was always like the long-term question of like how it's going to affect me long-term, but no one ever could seem to answer that. You sort of have to figure out what's important to exactly. you, don't you, at quite yeah. a, an early age to see, well, how is this going to affect the, you know, the life that I, what is the life I think I want to have and how will this affect that? Mm. Um, and, of course, no internet back in the 90s, back in the <laughs> mists of time, pre-internet. So um, apart from doctors that we would see once every, who knows, every six weeks, were, were there any other resources where you could find out information? Well, this is a big question, isn't it? Like, how much information do you give a young person who's just been diagnosed? I mean, how much do you really want to know? I yeah. mean, a lot of it is really terrifying. Like, a lot of the forums you go to online, I find terrifying. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what, 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 what do you think about that? Uh, what, what, what's the right amount of information to give uh, at the point of diagnosis? That's a really hard question. Like, it, and that's, it's so true. Like, it, how much is too much? And for someone, I guess, not even, I know the focus is on younger groups being diagnosed, but just in general with new diagnoses, like, like you said, don't always look for the negative, but try and find the positive. But then you're like, well, where's the middle ground? Because the more you research it, the more you look, the more you're going to find, the more questions you ask, the more answers you're going to get. So it's like, it's a very hard situation to be in with like, okay, well, where do I just want to shut off and I don't want to hear it? You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's it's the reality. For me, it's like I've very much approached things with, um, you know, the individuality. Everybody's affected differently and that information that you take on from somebody else might not necessarily be how it's going to affect you. It's a very important thing, isn't it? I mean, I've spoken to so many people with IBD and I've heard many similar stories, but never the same story. Everyone's always got something that's quite unique to them. And often also that thing will be something like for you, surfing. At 12, you decide that you're going to go into the water. For me, surfing was an outlet and obviously I had quite a, a few other sports like cricket and motocross and that kind of thing, but surfing was that one focus that I decided to stick with and... It was, I know it's cliche, but it, it's the one place that I actually truly forget about everything that's going on. And even when I've, in the past, like obviously I'm not in that situation at the moment, but when I've surfed with an ileostomy, there's been moments where I've been in the water that I've actually forgotten I've had the bag on my stomach. It's just one of those things that it's very, um, you know, it's relaxing in a way when I'm free surfing. Obviously competitive is a completely different story. With that kind of positive focus... Um, of of finding maybe earlier on in life than a lot of people finding that thing in your life that is an escape from having to think about the illness that thing that you can lose yourself in and find this this sense of peace and, and completion in life what was that thing for you Justin and around the time of leading up to diagnosis and diagnosis what, what was your escape from it all spongebob squarepants 100 <laughs> percent. my uh, my stoma is called spongebob uh. <laughs> um so so uh yeah talk about that yeah so uh like spongebob was the like therapist for me <laughs> i would just switch off laugh enjoy so so the things that really helped me is um watching funny stuff so massage, movies and food. Those are my things that I rely on, if, especially if I'm having a big flare, I really rely on that. That sounds like an excellent escape plan. Thanks so much, Brittany and Justin, for your time today. It's been great talking to you both. Stay with us, listeners, to hear more about diagnosis in IBD from Dr Ed Giles. 
My name's Luke Eskin, and today I've been talking with Brittany Nickel and Justin Singh about diagnosis in IBD. Here to give us a medical perspective is Dr. Ed Giles, who's a pediatric gastro from Melbourne. Hello, Ed. Hi, Luke. Uh, thanks for having me here. Um, what are some of the symptoms that you see uh, of, of young people coming to see you for the first time? Well, I think one of the things about IBD, um, particularly Crohn's disease, I would say, is there's such a variety. Ulcerative colitis is a bit, you know, more homogenous, more the same, usually bloody diarrhoea. So even young people will, I mean, they will try and hide their symptoms, but that will be something that's quite difficult to hide. Crohn's disease can be very insidious, uh, particularly in the young. There can be really no symptoms at all if you have quite limited disease, but it can have great effects on your growth, puberty, um, nutrition. So it's really very difficult, I think, sometimes to, to know. And that's why I think patients sometimes do present late. Sometimes there is misdiagnosis early. And I'm never too quick to, to judge GPs and other health professionals because it's easy when you see IBD all the time, but it can be very difficult. Um, so I think it's important that people are aware that young people can get can get IBD um, and to be thinking about it as health professionals anyway. And so at the point they're, they're referred to you, there's no diagnosis as such yet. Maybe some blood tests have been done, but they wouldn't have had the colonoscopy. So sometimes it is very obvious to, to make that diagnosis and the patient comes and really the colonoscopy is more about determining the extent of the disease, exactly where it's localised to, um, but sometimes it's much less clear uh, and you may have an idea that it may be Crohn's disease and, and those tests are important. So what we're talking about here is blood tests initially. Um, often stool tests now can be very helpful. People may have heard of this faecal calprotectin test, uh, which uh, is new. And this is one where you just have to scoop a little bit up into a, into a tub, right? Yeah, and not, I think, you know... Non-invasive. Well, non-invasive. I think I use a lot of stool tests... But I think some young people find that very challenging, um, understandably yeah, so. Yeah, we're not used to kind of confronting our own yeah, yeah, boo yeah. that often. I, I suppose for the parents it's something they're uh, not that uh, unfamiliar with. Yes, but most uh, people at diagnosis, you know, we've heard about people diagnosed at seven and eight, but most people are teenagers, so that's a bit awkward. Maybe the parents haven't been dealing with their kids' poos for quite a number of years now, so this can be challenging in itself. Um, is that the word you use with them, poos? Uh, I use different words. I'm not sure I always get it right. I'm not sure <laughs> not sure quite what the right word to use. Stool, I think, can be confused with something you're supposed to sit on uh, to do the, the deed. So poo, probably most of the time, I guess. So what, what follows after diagnosis? What's, what's the second step? So it is important, I think, to reiterate, to provide good source of information, provide written information or at least access to good online resources and be open to questions. I always say to people that, you know, this is going to be a journey that we're going to go on together. And and I think particularly with Crohn's disease and, and UC, you know, I say we know lots about this condition, but we're not very good at predicting what any individual's journey is going to be like. But we'll work that out together. And sometimes in a few months we get it right. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. But most of the time we're you know, we, we get there within that sort of 12-month framework. Um, so there's plenty of opportunity to sort of learn, learn about your condition, for you to learn about IBD generally. So I think it's important to say, look, give them information, but maybe not too much at the start because it is going to be a journey.
And going through that journey together, do you find that you can build a positive relationship with your patients? Absolutely. I mean, it's the most satisfying thing of my job, I think, is to see young people who've often had a really tough time, not too many as tough as, as you guys that I've listened to today, but, but some um, have had really difficult times. And to see them not only navigate their disease, but work through that, you know, while they're dealing with adolescence, with puberty, with school, with exams, with thinking about what they want to do, forming relationships. I think, you know, this is, it's really interesting and, and very rewarding work, I would say. Thank you so much. I've been talking with Dr. Ed Giles about uh, diagnosis uh, here on The Bottom End. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to tune in to the other episodes in our series for more insights, revelations and general gut spilling, hopefully only the metaphorical kind. We hope that sharing our stories will help all of you out there who are living with IBD. And we'd like to thank AbbVie and Crohn's and Colitis Australia for bringing this podcast to the Crohn's community. Before we sign off, we have some legal statements we need to make on their behalf. Firstly, everything we said is intended for an Aussie audience only, and our experiences or the things that work for us might not apply to you. So nothing that we or even Dr. Ed says in these podcasts can replace the advice of your own healthcare professionals who understand your personal situation. If you want more information or advice on your specific situation or medical condition, please talk to your own healthcare team. They're the experts, not us, and not the interweb. And of course, all of our opinions and experiences are ours, and they do not necessarily represent the views of AbbVie and Crohn's and Colitis Australia, CCA. If you'd like to speak with someone about your management of IBD, then please contact CCA's IBD helpline on 1800 138 029. If you'd like any information from ABV, please contact their medical information team at medinfoanz at abv.com. That's M-E-D-I-N-F-O-A-N-Z at abv.com or call 1-800-043-460, podcast ID AU-IMM-190031, produced in May 2019, AbbVie PTY Limited, Mascot, New South Wales, 2020.